0: You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. Thanks, Aaron. Uh, If you guys don't know me, my name is Zach. I'm the uh, associate college pastor here at First Baptist Church. Um, And in high school, I did some pretty stupid stuff. Amen. I think if we can all agree, in high school, we all did some pretty stupid stuff. I'm talking about uh, the stuff where uh, it was so bad, you don't talk about it anymore, because if you did, it would ruin your life. Um, The kind of stuff where you're going to go home the day before your 10-year reunion and tell your high school classmates, hey, do not talk about that in front of my spouse, Uh, it will ruin my life. Um, I think we've all done things in our life that we don't talk about anymore because it ruins our lives. Um, Growing up, Cole and I had a friend named Hunter. And just about any time we got with Hunter, we did things uh, that we will never talk about uh, because it will ruin our lives. Um, We were friends with Hunter for a lot of reasons, mainly because he failed kindergarten and had a truck uh, before anybody else in our grade. Um, And we would use his truck to go to McDonald's a whole lot. Um, and, And one story in particular that we did some stupid stuff Um, One time we're driving home from Bonham, uh, from Walmart or McDonald's, because that's where we hung out a whole lot, uh, Walmart and McDonald's. And we're driving home, and it's like 11 p.m. at night. uh, And we're driving home on the highway. Uh, and there's another highway, highway that runs parallel, and then there's a road that cuts between them. And on this road is a is this girl's house that Hunter like fell in love with at the time. One of the eight, it seemed like. Um, but we, so he wanted to use he wanted to he sorry Hunter uh, he wanted to use that road not even to go to her house just to go buy her house. Um, cause he just wanted to, I guess, be close to her. Um, and so, so no joke, Cole wasn't with me at the time. It was Hunter and Charles and we're driving. Uh, so we're driving on this road and we're going pretty fast, very dangerous. Another stupid thing. Um, and we drive, we're going, I don't know, like 70 miles per hour and we hit and kill a beaver head on a beaver. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. I, we did that. Um, and not only did we hit and kill this beaver, I looked it up. Um, the average weight on Google of a beaver, an adult beaver, is 24 to 71 pounds. Uh, Google lied. This thing's at least like 200 pounds. I'm not, <laughs> en- I'm not exaggerating. Uh, and so we thought, you know, it would be a good idea to pick this beaver up, put it in the back of his truck, and take it home to my hometown, Honey Grove, and just drop it off at the square. Um, and so that's what we, that's what we decided to do. I'm not lying. Uh, and so we decided to use the only thing in Hunter's truck. Um, to pick this beaver up. It was an American flag, which is like borderline treason uh, and defamation. And so we picked this beaver up with a flag. I'm not lying. It's heavy. We load it in the truck and we're driving 10 miles back to my hometown, laughing our butts off because there's a beaver in the back of the truck. Uh, and so we, you know, we, go to the, we go to the square and no joke, we get out of the truck um, like a movie, get that beaver off, just chunk it off, it's a very patriotic beaver, and we, and we leave, and I never heard anything about that beaver, I know it's anticlimactic, um, but, but there are things, and I don't know if I can get in trouble if we're telling you guys I hit a beaver and left it in my hometown square, um, but there are things, I'm trying to get a, I'm going to bring this one back, okay? Uh, There are things that I cannot even tell you from the stage because it would ruin my life, right? Things that you did growing up that you would never say from a stage like this or even to your best friend at a coffee shop because if you talked about that thing, it would ruin your life. Uh, And so there are these things that we don't talk about because it ruins our lives. And as I was growing up and I got to college, I realized there was another thing that people just didn't talk about. And if we did talk about it, it would ruin our lives. And that thing was discipleship. Discipleship. I grew up in the church my whole life. I knew to be a Christian was to love God and and love people. It was uh, not to get drunk, not to have sex before marriage, not to hate people, not to kill people or steal things. Um, But nobody ever talked about discipleship. Nobody once told me growing up in the church that discipleship was a thing and so tonight, I want to talk about discipleship and how it's going to ruin your life. Um, and, and, and here's why I want to talk about it: um, because I believe there's a big problem in the world today, um, and, and I want to try to solve it. Uh, and so, growing up, uh, I had a lot of problems growing up. Uh, and I say that I had one older sister and four younger brothers, including my twin. There were there were six of us in a house, uh, six kids, and you can imagine with six kids, six different personalities problems come up. I'm talking about problems like who gets to sit in the front seat of my mom's 2002 Chevy minivan, or, or we had eight people in one house with one bathroom, and you can imagine how that would be a problem, eight people in one house, and there were five of us boys, and, and so a big argument that would come up, come up is uh, who was the red Power Ranger, uh, and so growing up, I always like to be the problem solver in the house and suck up to my mom. And so I would try to solve these problems. Eli and Madeline are arguing about who sits in the front seat. I sit there. Problem solved. (laughs) Um, You know, my sister's in the bathroom too long. Madeline, I'm going to use the bathroom on your bed. Problem was solved. Uh, Or uh, Cole, I'm a minute older than you. Yes, you're an inch taller. I'm the Power Ranger, bro, the red one. Uh, (laughs) Problem solved. I say all that because um, not that those weren't big problems growing up, because I promise you they were big problems growing up. Um, as you grow older, mm, you start to realize that there's a lot bigger problems, uh, things, that, things that come up and there's bigger problems. Um, and I want to talk about uh, one great big problem in the world, um, the biggest problem in the history of the world is uh, there are people who don't know Jesus. Uh, there are people who don't know Jesus, and that's what I want to talk about because I believe that discipleship is the answer to that problem. I don't know if you came in here with problems tonight, um, school is going bad, uh, you have to make 104 on your OChem final to make a C in the class, um, uh, last, your advisor keeps telling you you were supposed to have an internship last semester, uh, or you have to go home this summer, and you're not looking forward to it. I'm not saying those aren't problems, uh, but if you're a follower of Jesus, um, there's a bigger problem out there, and it's people don't know Jesus, right? And, and so not to make light of those problems... Um, But I want to talk about uh, the biggest problem uh, that people are belittling your God and, and that they don't know Jesus and they're going to hell. And that's the problem I want to try to solve or try to talk about how it's going to be solved tonight. So take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. We're going to spend a lot of time in Matthew today. We're going to pick up in verse 14. We're talking about the problems of the world Namely, the biggest problem of the world, people don't know Jesus. Matthew 24, verse 14. If you got it, say got it. Sweet. Uh, it says in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And the gospel of the kingdom is going to be proclaimed throughout all the the world, and then the end will come. And if our biggest problems, every problem on this earth can be solved by Jesus coming back, even the biggest one, and and Matthew, Jesus tells us in Matthew that the gospel is going to be proclaimed throughout the whole world, and then Jesus is going to come back, we need to talk about how to get this gospel throughout the whole world, right? Because then Jesus will come back, uh, and gosh, wouldn't that be awesome if everyone knew Jesus, um, and I believe that discipleship is the answer to that problem. Discipleship is how God intended for his gospel to be proclaimed throughout the whole world. And I want to show you that in the text. Um, and so the biggest problem is people don't know Jesus. Um, which book in the Bible, in the New Testament, do we see, excuse me, do we see the most people come to know Jesus? The book of Acts. Have you guys read Acts. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy book. Uh, I actually hadn't read the book of Acts until like a year ago, and I am obsessed with the book of Acts. I teach a class on it, and I want to read you some of the verses um, in Acts. You don't have to flip through them because I'm going to speed through these. Let me get some water um, because these verses are crazy. All right, Acts two forty one. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Acts 2:47 And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Acts 4:4 4, 4, But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5000. Acts 5:14 5, And more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Acts 6:1 Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, Acts 6:7 and the word of God continued to increase. And the numbers of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Acts 9.31 So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and it multiplied. Acts 11.21 And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. Acts 13.49 And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. Acts 14.21 When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra. Acts 16.5 So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And listen to this one. It's the best one. Acts 19, 8 through 10, says this. And he, being Paul, entered the synagogue, and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some came, uh, they became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation. He withdrew from them and took the disciples with him. Reasoning Daily in the Hall of Tyrannus. And listen to this. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. All the people in Asia heard the word of the Lord. Did y'all know that was in the Bible? That he continued for two years, until all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And the very last two verses of Acts is this. He, being Paul, lived there two whole years at his own expense, being Rome. And welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Guys, something crazy is happening in the book of Acts. Over a span of 20 years, 20 years is when those verses took place. And the number of disciples of Jesus grew at a crazy rate. 20 years and all that happened. I sit here and read this and I say, what if that happened here? What if that happened here? Here's the thing, something has drastically changed from the disciples in Acts in our American context today. Because these disciples, um, this took place by the power of the Holy Spirit in ordinary believers who were week old and month old people who went out and made disciples. Right, and so I want you like I want to read this to you guys. This is a letter from the bless you from the governor of a He wrote this to an emperor about fifty years after Acts. Here's a letter. I want to read this to you guys. Um, I therefore postpone the investigation of Christians and hasten to consult you, for the matter seemed to to me uh, to warrant consulting you, especially because of the number involved. For many persons of every age, every rank, and also of both sexes are and will be endangered. For the contagion of this superstition has spread not only to the cities, but also to the villages and farms. Guys, it it didn't just spread to the cities, it made its way to the farms. The gospel was spreading so fast that these guys didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know what to do with it. And the difference here isn't the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit, so do we. And the difference isn't that they have some super secret, magical uh, disciple-making formula. The difference is obedience. The difference is obedience and that these guys in Acts actually obeyed what Jesus told them to do. They actually did it. They were making disciples, and they knew what following Jesus meant. They knew what following Jesus was actually about, Uh, here's the thing. When I became a Christian, a Christian, air quotes intended, I did not know anything about following Jesus except that hell was hot and I don't like to sweat, okay? And that's all I knew. But But here's the reason why I believe that the disciples in Acts were so effective is because they knew from the very beginning, from the very beginning that they started following Jesus That they had a plan and a mission uh, and what it meant to follow Jesus. And so that's what we're gonna look at. Go to Matthew 4. Matthew chapter 4. And I'm trying to I'm trying to tell you guys that from the very beginning, when they started following Jesus, they knew what it meant to follow Jesus. Matthew 4. Starting in verse 18. Matthew 4, 18. We're going to be looking at Jesus' first words to his disciples, his very first words to his disciples. Uh, in Matthew 4, we see some of Jesus' first words, um, the temptation he faces, uh, the beginning of his ministry. Uh, but then in verse 18, uh, we see Jesus' first call to his disciples. The first words he even says, <clears throat> and look what it says, verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter. And, excuse me, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed here, him. Sorry. Um, here's what I want you to see. When Jesus walked up to Simon and Andrew, uh, he didn't hide what he was calling them to. He didn't go up and say, hey, follow me, and stop. He didn't say follow me and I'll make you rich. He didn't say follow me and I'll make you a king in my kingdom. Uh, This wasn't a bait and switch by Jesus. He was very straightforward. He said follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and you will be fishers of men. It's a twin call on the disciples life. Uh, When I grew older, as I was growing older, sorry, I started thinking about the future uh, and about babies. And I, I remember praying to God. I said, God, please don't let me have twins. Um, Please. And and so uh, I remember looking at my mom and saying, God bless your heart, mom, uh, for having twins. Could you imagine expecting a baby and having two like pop out? Now, obviously my mom knew, obviously my mom knew that she was going to have twins um, before she gave birth. Um, But I'll be honest, having twins will probably ruin your life. Uh, having twins ruin your life. Uh, I can't even imagine having uh, triplets. Are uh, the triplets over here? Uh, Cassidy, Keaton, and Kylie, is your mom like and dad still alive and, and good? <laughs> I, no, I, I asked them if they were still alive before I said that on stage. So um, I can't ima- imagine having triplets. If you guys have seen a, a picture online that went viral, it's like a yearbook picture that says, knock, knock, uh, where's the triplets? Not here or something like that. Um, that's actually them. Uh, They're here. I've seen that on, anyways, we're getting sidetracked. Um, (laughs) Having twins will ruin your life. I actually called my mom today and was like, Mom, I'm writing a sermon, and I want to know just how bad it was to have twins. And she was like, oh, it's not bad at all. I'm like, no, Mom, give me something. Um, But here's the thing. When my mom had twins, um, you have to leverage your life around taking care of, like, both of these things, right? Both these babies. Um... (laughs) You have to buy, listen, you have to buy twice as many clothes, twice as much food. Um, You have to deal with twice as much yelling, fighting, barfing, feeding, bathing, uh, changing diapers. Uh, Some of you, as I start to name these things, are joining me in that prayer to not have twins anymore. Um, uh, But the truth is, having twins takes twice the amount of time, twice the amount of effort, and twice the amount of work. And it's the same exact thing here. Um, Being a Christian isn't simply, uh, simply learning who Jesus is. Uh, learning what Jesus did, and learning the things Jesus stands for. Uh, Being a Christian isn't just loving your neighbor and and, and forgiving people uh, for for whatever they do wrong against you. It's not just not killing people, and being a Christian isn't just forgiving others. No, being a Christian is following Jesus and making more followers of Jesus. Do you see it? Uh, Being a Christian is both. When when you become born again, a born-again Christian, uh, John chapter 3, you pop out and you've got two twin calls in your life. To, make, to follow Jesus and to make more disciples of Jesus. Um, in the same way, when my mom had twins, she had to leverage her life to take care of the two of us. She had to prepare to spend twice the amount of time and energy and effort on caring for us. When you become a Christian, you've got to leverage your life, not just to follow Jesus, but to make more followers of Jesus. Right? Okay, and so, so discipleship is following Jesus, and discipleship is making more followers of Jesus, okay? And so discipleship will ruin your life. The call to follow Jesus, the call to follow Jesus will ruin every single bit of the life you once wanted. Following Jesus will ruin every single bit, and and the the call to follow Jesus is a call to die, a call to A call to die to yourself, to die to the dreams you once had, the aspirations you once had. The call to follow Jesus is to to, uh, to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him, uh, and and to forgive others when they spit on you, right? And and to love others, um, and, and to strive not just to sin less, but to sin no more. And that will ruin your life. That will ruin your life, but Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it here's what I'm getting at. The call to follow Jesus is hard. It may even be harder than you think because it's also a call to make more followers of Jesus. And growing up, no one ever told me that as a follower of Jesus, I had to make more followers of Jesus. And I was ticked. I thought I was following Jesus, but I wasn't making more followers of Jesus because no one ever showed me. And because of that, I'm convinced that a great majority of the American Christians don't truly know what it means to follow Jesus. I'm convinced. And here's what I mean. Earlier we were reading through Acts and about all these people coming to faith, and Christianity was spreading super fast, and the church was growing. Um, these disciples knew from the very beginning uh, that they were to produce more faithful followers of Jesus. And then they spent three years with Jesus as Jesus spent all that time with them, uh, teaching them, loving them, and training them. Uh, But in that whole time, while they were going through that life with Jesus, they knew that in the near future or soon to come, they were going to have to make more disciples of Jesus. They knew it from the beginning. Uh, And so this whole time we're talking about discipleship and how it's going to solve this huge problem that not everyone knows who Jesus is because I truly believe that discipleship will change the world. And the truth is, if you've been around this ministry long enough, or you've been in Christian circles, you know what discipleship is, or you at least have a scattered definition of it. And so in order to uh, keep talking about discipleship, I want to define it. And here's why we're going to define it. Because the definition of discipleship we have will determine the disciples we make. The definition of discipleship that you have is going to determine the type of disciples that you make. Uh, And already tonight, you kind of know the direction I'm going with the word discipleship. But I want to give you a definition that I believe is a biblical definition. Because if we have a biblical definition, then we're going to make biblical disciples. And so here's the disciple, here's what discipleship is discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God. Through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. I'll say it one more time. Discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. Now, where did I get that from? Well, I got it from Jesus. Turn your Bible to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. We've looked at the first words that Jesus said to his disciples, and now we're going to look at some of the last. And I want you to notice just how similar those two calls to follow Jesus are. Matthew 28, we're going to be picking up in verse 16. Matthew 28, verse 16. I am with you always to the end of the age. All right, so here's the first thing we need to remember when we read this. Um, This wasn't something new for the disciples. You know, they they didn't come to meet Jesus at this mountain, and then Jesus told them, uh, go make disciples. And then they say, like, man, I really didn't think Jesus was going to make us make disciples. Uh, This wasn't something new. Uh, This didn't catch them off guard. Um, This wasn't theoretical discipleship either. Uh, Every miracle, every lesson, everything Jesus did was a culmination to this commission. And they knew that they were going to have to produce more disciples of Jesus. And so when Jesus said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men, and they dropped their nets and left their families, they knew what they were going to do. They were going to follow Jesus, and they were going to make more followers of Jesus. Uh, Look at verse 18. We're going to chop this up. Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. Uh, Jesus starts off this great commission by saying, I've got all authority, right? He says, all authority has been given to me. And this was something the disciples knew. Okay, they knew that Jesus had authority, right? They walked with him for three years. Jesus had authority over the wind and the waves, uh, sickness, uh, uh, life, and, and even death. Uh, not, not only raising Lazarus from the dead, but by this time, he even rose himself from the dead, okay? They knew he had authority. And Jesus says, I've got all authority on heaven and earth, right? And, and this is how he starts it off, um, because he's going to say, go therefore after that. It would be like your mom saying, uh, you know, she said three times, uh, go take the trash out. And you saw it more of a, a suggestion. Uh, and then she comes in and says this, I am your mother, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out of this world. Now go take the trash out. And, and, that's, and he, Jesus established authority, and then he's going to tell you what to do, right? And so that's what Jesus does in verse 18. Uh, he has authority over everything. Um, notice the use of the word all in this great commission, all. All authority has been given to me. Go make disciples of all nations. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And I will be with, you. I'll be with you always, all the time. Jesus has all authority. And, and that's what he's going to start off the Great Commission with. I have all authority. All of it is mine. There's not one thing on this earth or in heaven that Jesus doesn't look at and cry, mine. Because it's all his. And so he's going to start off by that. And then he's going to tell us to do a whole lot more than take out the trash. Look at verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. Okay, guys, I've got control over everything. Now go make disciples, teach them, baptize them, and remember, I'm going to be with you always. Notice what Jesus doesn't say here. He doesn't say, go therefore and make decisions. The church is really good at making decisions, right? He doesn't say, go therefore and make converts either. He doesn't even say, go therefore and make Christians. Okay, now, Zach, you're just getting into semantics, nitty-gritty. We we are called to make Christians, Zach. And here's why I'm kind of getting away from the make Christians. Um, Do you know how many times the word Christian is mentioned in the New Testament? Three times. And two times it was in a derogatory way. You see, Christians is more of a name, it's more of a name, it's more of a description, it's very static. And you know that because there's a lot of people you can go up and say, uh, are you a Christian? And they'll say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But what about those same people if you ask them, uh, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? You see, disciple, it's very dynamic. It it has weight. It's very compelling. And so so Jesus is going to call us to make disciples. And you want to know how many times the word disciple is used in the New Testament? 269 times. Two hundred and thirty-eight times in the Gospels alone. So, does Jesus call us to make converts, decisions, or Christians, or does He call us to make disciples? Disciples—it's got weight to it. The word "disciple" is from the Greek word uh, "matheus," uh, which is where we get the English word "math." It, it, gives us, it gives us this idea of a learner, somebody who's disciplined and trying to learn. And so, a disciple is somebody who is learning uh, and, and who is learning. And so, everyone in here who is born again. Uh, is a disciple of Jesus, the only question is, are you a good one or a bad one? Are you learning or are you not? Because that's what a disciple is. Um, So if that's a disciple and we're supposed to make them, how are we supposed to make them? Remember that discipleship is intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate faithful followers of Christ. Uh, Keep reading in verse 18. Uh, We'll start in 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And then he tells us how. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Uh, We're supposed to make disciples, and here's how. We baptize them, and we teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded us. And I want to touch on these two things because for years I was misguided. You see, if, if the American church is trying to make converts, baptism is the finish line. Oh, we get them in the baptistry, high five, we're done. But if the church is trying to make disciples, baptism is the starting line. Really, when you believe, you're at the starting line. And and you, you believe, great, be baptized, now get to work. Get to work and start learning what Jesus teaches you. And that's what a disciple is. And as a disciple, we're supposed to be taught to obey. To obey all that Jesus commands us to. Not to memorize, not to understand, but to obey. Obedience is the mark of a mature believer. Obedience. It's not the amount of Bible you have memorized. It's not the amount of mission trips you've been on. And it's not the amount of Instagram pictures of your quiet time. It's obedience. Obedience. It's all about obedience. Jesus said in John 14, 15, that if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, you will obey him. That's what he says. You you will obey him. And so how does all that fit into discipleship as the solution to the problem that not everyone knows Jesus? How how does that all fit? Remember all those verses in Acts uh, when people were coming to faith uh, right and left and the church was exploding? Do you know what happened right before the book of Acts? The Great Commission. And you know what the difference between uh, then and now? Obedience to the Great Commission. Obedience to the Great Commission. Obedience to make disciples. And if you haven't been paying attention all night, uh, now I really want to ask for your attention because this was revolutionary to me. It was an aha moment in my Christian walk. Um, And if you've been here at Overflow, you know kind of where I'm going. Within the command to make disciples... Within it, within the command to make disciples and to obey all that Jesus has taught you is something very special. And it's something that the whole book of Acts uh, is is writing on. And it drove the whole book of Acts. To teach someone to obey all that Jesus has commanded you is to teach that person to obey the great commission. Which is to teach others to obey all that Jesus has commanded you to do. You see it. If you've seen the movie Inception, you can kind of catch on to what I'm getting at. Um, Within this command by King Jesus, to teach people to obey Jesus is to teach them to make disciples who will teach people to make disciples. And if that's not clear enough, if a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ and Jesus says, Go make disciples, then a disciple is going to make disciples. Who make disciples? Who make disciples? And when I learned that, my entire life was changed. My idea of the Great Commission moved from addition to multiplication. And as a math and accounting guy, that got me real excited. Really, really excited. And here's why. Because I think there are people in the church and in this room who aren't making disciples. The ones earlier who would say that they were Christian, but they aren't making disciples. Or even people like me who didn't even know this was a thing. And here's why I get excited, because if we can all catch this vision of disciple-making and, and, and focus on the undiscipled people in the church and in this room, that is an untrained army who can be equipped and, and can fulfill the Great Commission, and our problem is solved. If we can focus on the undiscipled people in our churches and in this room and train them, that is an army. That's the book of Acts. And they can fulfill the Great Commission, and that's why I get excited, because people will come to know Jesus, and people will multiply. If you don't think this, that, uh, that this will work, uh, one of my favorite pastors is David Platt, and, and he was telling his congregation about this time uh, that he went to Cuba. And looking on the outside of the, of Cuba, you don't really see the church. Uh, you've got to get inside Cuba and, and meet the people, and then you you see the church. Um, And and he was at this one particular church, uh, and the way that he described it is that Cuba is a a communist nation. uh, And so the church kept their their head below the ceiling, because if they put their head above the ceiling, it would get cut off. He didn't know if that was literal or what. Um, And so they kept low. There was no buildings. There were no programs. And so he goes to this church, and and that one church had planted 61 churches. 61 churches. And and so they go to one of those churches— And that church had planted 25. 25 churches. That's crazy. They're multiplying churches. So he pulled the pastor aside and he said, Dude, what are y'all doing? Like, how are y'all doing it? And that pastor looked him dead in the eye and he said, We're making disciples. They're making disciples. Would that not be awesome if something like that happened here? That, That if everybody in this room would go make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, so much so that, that a single pastor or a single ministry can't take credit for it? Only God can. Yeah. Only God can take credit and can do something like this, and wouldn't that be awesome? So the question now is, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, are you making disciples? Are you making disciples? Because if you're not, it's not a lack of command, and it's not a lack of direction. It's a lack of obedience. And that's what I want you to see. It's a lack of obedience. You may be sitting here and saying, Zach, I just became a believer like a month ago. I don't think I'm ready to make disciples. First, I'd like to encourage you. Uh, absolutely, you are. Absolutely, you are. If you, if you know one more thing than the next, uh, and you have an hour in the Bible, you have what it takes to make a disciple. And, and the cool thing is, discipleship isn't just sharing your faith. It's sharing your life. And that's something you can do right? It's something you can do. And I want to point you back to the book of Acts one more time. When the church was exploding and people were coming to faith, this wasn't 25-year-old believers and pastors going out and making disciples. No, this was week-old and month-old believers who fell in love with Jesus and had a, had a, a love for evangelism and a heart for obedience. And when you find somebody who falls in love with Jesus, you won't be able to shut them up. And that's what happened in the book of Acts. They couldn't shut him up, and they went and told everybody what he did, everybody what Jesus did. And everyone in here, whether new or old believer, not only has the command to make disciples, but has the opportunity to find joy in taking part of God's mission. Isn't that awesome? We get, a, we get to be a part of it? That's crazy. Uh, and second, I would ask, are you being discipled? Are you being discipled? Because everyone in here, you and I, need somebody pouring into us and teaching us how to obey Jesus. And if you don't have that, you will dry out, you will burn up, and you will not find joy anymore. On our website, the fourth prayer of our ministry is that we would uh, do everything that would move us closer to making disciples. Who make disciples? Who make disciples? In in every corner and crevice of our campus, community, country, and world. And notice how that that prayer doesn't end at campus. And also notice that the first imperative of the Great Commission isn't make disciples. It's go. It's go. And here's the reason why I wanted to talk about this tonight. Um, This is the second to last overflow, and a lot of you are going home for the summer. And the the temptation in that is uh, to take the summer off. And and to not make disciples, and then when you get back, jump back into disciple-making mode. And if that's your mindset, uh, you either don't understand how big of a problem this is, or that command hasn't quite sit in with you yet. Don't take the summer off. Follow Jesus and and make disciples. And if you're thinking to yourself, this seems hard, or I don't know what to do, or I'm scared, uh, look what Jesus says at the end. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. Uh, Jesus knew that discipleship was going to be hard. The twin call to follow him and to make disciples, he knew it was going to be hard. And so he said, behold, I am with you always. Take heart. I am with you always. And if that's not enough motivation for you to go and make disciples of Jesus and train those disciples to make more disciples of Jesus, um, can I just ask you, who, who is standing in front of them? giving this command. It's it's the resurrected Jesus, our King. If if, if Guys, you want to know why we go out and make disciples and risk everything? Because He saved us from our sin. And and if if that's the case, the least we could do is, is live our lives for Him. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.